Dennis Rader, I hate you. Fuck you. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of THC True Hollywood Crime. I'm your host Mariah. This is your other host Bailey. And we're in a new location. We are in a brand new location, not the Mod Podge. Not yet. So, is that what we're calling it? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just in my new room. <laughs> I'll have to give you guys a picture of the setup. It's pretty epic. My, are you good? No. <laughs> I honestly, I know that we were excited about the garage, but damn, this is pretty comfortable. This is nice. Mm-hmm. So my new room is really big. If you guys listened to last week's episode, I've moved in a new house. Um, our new master room is really big big so you have my bed and then at the foot of my bed my husband put like two chairs and a table and then I still have like a bunch of room before you get to like my dresser and tv so actually Lou and I sit here all the time just to watch tv yeah because it stays way colder in the bedrooms than in like the main part of the house the gremlins right yeah so we're podcasting here it feels pretty good I love it no super comfy it's moody lighting we're in the ac Mm mm-hmm what more do you need? There's a bathroom right here. I mean, at some point, we'll need to bust out the, the blankies, like a little pod flare, right? The pillows. <laughs> right. No, we'll I think eventually we'll move into the garage, but yeah. this isn't bad for right now. And pretty good. What have you been up to, B? What's up? <sighs> Work's been awful. We're two weeks into kindergarten-ish, right? Yeah. Our kids have all started school. Your mm-hmm. kid has started school for the first time. Yeah. I, mean, I guess my kid has to, but I've already had other kids You've start school. You've been through it before. It's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal. Yeah, but it is what everybody's adjusting. Yeah, it's all good. It is, but it's a lot. It's I didn't realize. I mean, she's been doing this the whole time, but I guess because I have to take her to and from like school to camp or whatever, it's exhausting. I'm like, how is this so much harder? Because it's new and different. I'm telling you, the fact that you have to leave your work day and then go back to the office is a problem. It is. Yeah. Because you're mentally, once you leave. You're checked out. You're checked out. Mm -hmm. You're so used to leaving and it being the end of your day. Right. And then you have to come back. And now you're all hot. You've been walking around. And try to refocus. It's like, huh? What? Exactly. So, yeah. That is what it is. And it's only for, what, a year? (laughs) Sure. I mean, well, hopefully she'll get into an after school program next year. But if she doesn't. Because next year, does your school do um, first through fifth grade aftercare? Not guaranteed. Oh. It's still a lottery. Oh, it is? Yeah. It's not like a first come first no, serve thing? No, uh-uh. It's still a lottery. Dang, that's crazy. Mm-hmm, I'm everything. lucky my kids go to such a small school that it's just guaranteed spots. Yeah, there's nothing's a guarantee at the school. Golly. They even have a ballet coming up. And they're like, well, did you sign her up for a ballet? And he's like, no, is that a problem? Like, are there limited spaces? They're like, well, even if you sign her up, it's not a guarantee she'll get in. I'm like, what the fuck? Damn. That's crazy. (laughs) So, yeah, that's where I'm at. All right. So I did. I looked at Nick. I'm like, I have to do this for how many more years? (laughs) But (laughs) is it K through eight or is it K through five? K through five. So then what happens for middle school? She goes to regular middle school. And we just hope that she learns Spanish in well, the five years. And she years. continues to do Spanish. They yeah, I know. It. I don't believe in middle school Spanish. No, I know. But that's just it. So like where you and I were in beginner's garbage Spanish. She'll be in like advanced Spanish. Exactly. Oh, okay. Where they Pretty are good. reading and writing in Spanish. We, should, we never got there. I wonder if we should edit this out if anybody even cares what we're talking about. Well, probably not because, <laughs> you know. But my, if they do want something. My <laughs> kid, on the other hand, is in like 
fairy tale like hippy dippy land school where it's like oh the gnomes came while we were in there mm-hmm. you're like what <laughs> everything's just like gardening and magical gnomes and playing pretend and I'm like Zoe's having the time of her life of course which is so funny because Wyatt did their kind and I love their kindergarten program they're just not a studious kindergarten program mm-hmm. which is what I like yeah. I'm like kindergarten they're still babies they should be playing mm-hmm. learning through play imaginative play and that's what they're all about so anyways Wyatt did it but Wyatt's always just been so like he just never bought it yeah. he like never bought the like magical mm-hmm. fairy stuff um but like zoe's in it she loves it she buys it hook line and sinker so well, it's kind of cute speaking of magical fairy stuff violet has her first loose tooth oh my god yeah it's gonna be a while it's not that loose but she's still very excited tell about her to it. start wiggling it believe wiggle, me wiggle, i wiggle, can't wiggle, wiggle, she wiggle, will wiggle. not keep her hands out of her mouth yeah. it's driving me fucking crazy who cares the more she wiggles it the faster she loses so in your household how much is that tooth fairy dropping we're doing two dollar bills okay because it's a unique currency yeah i agree and i'm gonna decorate it it's gonna be like glittered that's what i do like glitter hairspray i have um i don't even do hairspray i have a very very fine like the finest gold glitter i could find at michael's it's like basically dust almost yeah 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 and I put that all over the money and then I put it because they have like a little pillow. Your and mom. I, yeah. Made them. Yeah. She made one for Violet. Yep. So I put it on the pillow. I put a little bit in there on their pillow and stuff. So that way <laughs> when they take the money out, they're getting the glitter yeah. everywhere. <clears throat> of course. No. Oh. Um, Violet got three tooth fairy pillows and the only one we kept was your mom's. Oh, dang. Lovely. I thought you were just going to rotate. No. Your mom made hers. The other ones were like from fancy boutiques. It's like they were cute, but no, I'm going to keep the one that was made. I know. My mother's very proud of her tooth fairy she pillows. Be. Yeah. Um, I could have find Zoe's. I don't even know where Zoe's is. Anyways, well, that's exciting. Oh. Losing teeth. Mm-hmm. What a time. What a time to be alive. What else is exciting? Who else wants to be alive right now? Ezra Miller finally <laughs> apologizes <laughs> and says that they will seek treatment for complex mental health issues after multiple arrests and grooming and brainwashing of teenager i mean at the end of the day that's all we can ask and that's really it i mean what can you do exactly can't go back in time and unkidnap people no um so i was talking about going back in time let's go back in time to our smutty tv days oh my god we're gonna talk about all the love is blind divorces who's getting divorced So all I've got is Danielle and Nick are filing for divorce right after their one-year wedding anniversary. Yeah. But in good news, our true one from day one, um, Cameron and Lauren, they are coming up on their four-year anniversary and going strong. They're like, yeah, being married is fucking hard. We put in a lot of work and we take this shit serious and we're fucking awesome. So we love them. But also Love is Blind, the new one, the other couple's getting a divorce too. Which one? The one where he chose the lady, he chose his wife was the second choice. And then they all went to the bar and he was talking to his first choice woman. Remember? Oh. I don't know their names. I didn't. But do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, I And do. we were all like, I can't believe that she would marry him knowing that she was the second choice. Oh, I didn't see that. So they're divorcing too. Well, that makes sense. Uh-huh. 
Okay. And I still believe, what was the couple you just named? Danielle and Nick. But she was his beard. Yeah. You said that. I think Nick is gay. Mm -hmm. For sure. I think Nick's in the closet. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a little love is, uh, not love is blind, married at first sight. Happy news. Um, Our favorites, uh, Jeff D and Shawnee's five year anniversary. Oh, see, I love that. Oh, cool. So they're five year and then Lauren and Cameron are four years. Yeah. How fun. So there you go. They just celebrated their five-year wedding anniversary. Okay. Shout out Shawnee and Jeff D. We love you. Yeah. Huh. Well, I don't know if it has anything to do with an anniversary, but they're doing a Hellraiser reboot. Oh, boy. I mean, it's coming out in October on Hulu. It'll be fun at the very least. Like, it's not going to be good. Yeah. You can't expect anything from it. But I, new, I appreciate the Hellraiser take. That's been a while. The, the new um, Predator movie is on Hulu right now. Oh. I heard it was really good. Okay. Well, I'll definitely take. Prey. Oh, you know, I think I saw it and I was like, what the fuck is that? It's the new Predator movie. Okay. Well, had you not told me. Uh, could it get any worse? Moment, Yankees fan hollows out a hot dog to use oh, it God, as a I saw straw <laughs> before slurping down a ballpark beer. Not to be dramatic, but I would rather die. Girl, how much do I love a good hot dog? We both. Hot dog and beer. The best. All day. Literally, why else would you go to a baseball game? Would never do this. Of course not. Blasphemy. Yeah. Why degrade the dog like that? Why? Right taint the beer also i don't know what the yankee stadium prices are but i can tell you at a, a giant of game, 20 dollars a hot dog and beer is gonna run you a cool 25 bucks mm-hmm. at least i personally like to get the giant stadium signature dog which is a bacon wrapped hot dog with caramelized onions on top oh, fuck yeah but it's just that much more expensive because it's, it's like the size of a costco dog it's oh, huge absolutely so let's talk about the local place i finally tried their wiener on wednesday mm-hmm. so they only have two hot and dogs and you are very you have a high bar i do for wieners the i believe it was called the mariner or something like that okay incredible what's on it cream cheese <laughs> yeah Oh, yeah. Fucking cream cheese, caramelized onions, fried onions. Oh, my God. Burger sauce. Is it only open for lunch on Wednesdays? Or do they do dinner? We went for dinner. We've never been for lunch. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, we've only gone for dinner. And they have Mickey's Grenades. God damn it. What more do you want in a place? I literally, you should have seen me. Cried. And watching Violet play with the bartender because we sat at the bar. Yeah. I was like, this is me. This is my childhood. Dingy basement bar the best food on the best time um young kids came in and got grenades and they were trying to do the puzzle caps and they couldn't figure it out i'm like fucking amateurs right like i've been doing this shit for like 15 years so long longer than 15 years i know well i mean the caps at least like those are kind of more in like the older years but still so like there are a couple signs that they didn't know that i just automatically knew because Mm -hmm. i've been doing it for so long like how do you know this i'm like because i'm fucking old right (laughs) he's like i've been doing this as long as you've been alive yeah so incredible so fucking yankee i can't wait to go to wiener wednesday wiener wednesday it's a hit that is so exciting the burgers are great so take the whole fam or do a date night no it doesn't do either one um i just saw a recipe for she called it cowboy candy have you heard of this Mm. she basically took um a pound of jalapenos grown from her garden 
um, diced them up. Oh, didn't dice them. Like sliced them up, mm-hmm. seeds and all. She like sugaring them? Yeah. So it's like sugar, Candy honey, mm-hmm. and then obviously like a little bit of salt and like red pepper flake and mm-hmm. whatever else. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, putting them in a jar. Mm-hmm. And then like you reduce your honey down a little bit further and then pour that in the jar. Oh. And she's like, and then she puts them in the fridge and you can use like, she said that she pro- she likes to use it for like charcuterie boards with like cream oh. cheese and crackers. And you also have the hot honey you can use to drizzle on stuff. Oh, I'm sold. I have a bowl of jalapenos on the kitchen counter right now, and I don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Damn. I'll send you the TikTok. Incredible. Well, speaking of TikTokers, (laughs) we have a local lunatic, and I think it's so perfect, the timing coming up on our last episode. (sighs) Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. So Nick (laughs) sent me this link. He was like, you've got to fucking check this shit out. Oh, my God. So local guy attempts axe murder facing life in prison. What? Listen to this shit. So this 37-year-old, I'm not going to name him because he's currently out on fucking bail. (gasps) OMG. Had already been charged with attempted murder (laughs) and now he's back with this uh axe causing great bodily injury i guess they on may 22nd they were going camping with a group of friends and they ran into another group who Uh was camping near the creek they were like hey is it cool if we set up here they're like sure set up across the way that's him yeah he looks so like young and normal. Mm-hmm. His group starts partying too loud. So the other group goes to talk to him. So the victim and his friend ask them to be quiet. This guy who was drunk grabs his axe, yells that he's a gang member. What? And he hits the guy square in the chest. The guy falls to his back, removes the blade from his chest. Oh. The dude helps him up and then pushes him into the creek. Jesus Christ. The two camp groups start brawling. The only reason it's broken up is because the victim's grandma fires a 22. Stop it. This is the most our county thing fucking ever. When rushed to the hospital, the surgeon stated that he was surprised the victim survived. It was... um. The wound was four inches Jesus. long and two inches wide. Shut Deep up. enough to hit bone. Golly. Now, girl, it gets even better. So when I tell you that he's out on bail, babe, look at his rap sheet. <laughs> look at that rap sheet. I highlighted some. I cannot see where you highlighted me. I know, but like, look how Assault many. Assault deadly weapon. Assault with a deadly weapon, great bodily injury a few times, serious felony, let's see, criminal threats a few times, use of a deadly weapon a bunch of times, great bodily injury a bunch of times, attempted murder a couple times. (laughs) Wild. Out on bail. Whoa. And if you, like, I wouldn't even look twice at him. Mm -mm. For all the weird, scary people we have in this town... Like, I wouldn't even We've, look at him twice. Nope. So, there you go. You're welcome. Oh, my God. Maybe. Well, I would say maybe he was just drunk, but then look at his previous record. So, obviously not. No. He so, was he's out on bail. Pe- mm-hmm. 
Okay, I guess. Because, you know, as the episode from last time reminds us, I'm sure he's got no possible chance of causing any kind of harm to the general public. I mean, he looks pretty white. It was a crime of passion. He looks pretty white, so I'm sure he's safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fuck. Golly. What is wrong with people? How is he not in jail? so crazy. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Thanks to my husband. So just, you know, be on the lookout for any regular looking 30 something year old white guy. Well, so no big deal. Seen the trend on TikTok where it's like five things I wouldn't do as a professional X, Y, Z. So one was an accidental death and dismemberment attorney. Uh-huh. And so he's like, one thing I wouldn't do as that is he's like, piss someone off in traffic. Oh, yeah. He's dude. like, I can't tell you how many people have died because of road rage. Listen, you just don't know who you're going to flip. I have been enraged enough in the East Bay that like I would never actually hurt somebody. But I'm like, fuck, I really wanted to. Oh, yeah. Really bad. Yeah. And I just think about all the time. There's like a part of the East Bay. If anybody's from the Bay Area, you know, what I'm talking about um, Highway 4 is what we call it. But. Basically, it's like the heaviest traffic in the East Bay possible. And people will like to drive all the way up on the shoulder to like bypass the traffic and then cut over at the last mm, minute when they yes. run out of shoulder. Yes. And when I tell you that I get over into the shoulder a little bit and I will fucking die there. Like I swear to God, before I let one more of these motherfuckers pass, yeah, I just sit there and the amount of people I've pissed off that have just been screaming at me and threatening me. And I'm like, dude, Really, somebody could pull a gun out and like, is this worth it? Like, is this level of pettiness worth it? It makes Nick so mad. He's like, your Bay Area driving's coming out. He's like, you need to reel it in. And I'm like, it's in my blood. I know. Uh, you can't just. just uh, yeah. yeah. You're not just going to mm-hmm. drive. The fact that people let other people who know that they have to merge and they drive all the way up to the front of the line and want to cut over and people let them over will die on this fucking road before I let you over. Uh, what are you going to do? You're going to run me off the road. Yeah. That's what I'm, especially when their car's nicer than mine. Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. Hit me. I swear to God. <laughs> they get so mad. Oh, I'm sorry. You're mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God, like I'm getting angry right now. Just thinking about so it. So let's get angry talking about this week's case. Yeah, for sure. First of all, if you're playing our THC drinking game with us at home, you already know the rules. Take a drink anytime we cheers. We're, I guess the we're not pod- in the pod shed, but that doesn't even count anymore. Yeah. Until... Well, please pause on that one. Yeah. Anyways, we met, we mentioned a badass big sister. We spill something. We mentioned a previous episode of Monk or a previous episode of THC. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that everything? Yeah. Sure. And we cheers. Yeah. Okay. I said cheers. All right. We'll cheers. cheers. Over the computer. Yeah. Over the sound equipment. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Okay. This week's episode, as promised, finally, we keep saying we're going to do it, and we're finally doing it. This I is think I watched the movie like a month ago. For real. For real life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, listen. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm life just, got it's crazy. Funny. Yeah. This is episode 76, and we are focusing on the BTK killer, a.k.a. Dennis Rader. Um, what movie did you watch, B? That's a good question. Who knows at this point? Say it again. It was so long ago. What did I watch? Where are my notes? Where are we? What is this? What's happening? The Hunt for the BTK Killer 2005. Oh. 
Okay. And get ready to drink, bitches. Whoa! How exciting! Um, my the second case I've put in our monk notebook, so that's mm-hmm. pretty. That's exciting. a good one for the notebook. I know. I think maybe because I only have so much space in the Save notebook, it. just big cases. Because mm-hmm. so far I have Charles Manson. And I have BTK. It'll be for our big cases. Yeah, that's our a keeper. notebook worthy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ready for this? Here's my list of resources. I got everything from an article in psychology, psychology Today by Scott Baum, an article on biography.com by Tim Ott, an interview in Esquire magazine with it's an interview with a woman named Carrie Rawson, who is Dennis Rader's grown daughter. Okay. Um, of course, I mean, Wikipedia is a given. Actually, not a lot about him on Wikipedia. Hmm. His Wikipedia is very short, which is surprising. That is. And a great British documentary I watched on YouTube. Um, I guess they have a show over there. It's called Real Crime. They did about an hour long episode on BTK. Cool. Thanks, real crime in England. All right. You ready, Freddy? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, motherfucker. I forgot that I brought perfume. Do you want to save it for the end? I have perfume, too. (laughs) What's wrong with that? We'll save it for the end. Okay. Stay tuned for what you're really invested in, which is our ongoing perfume reviews. Can we at least reveal which one you have and which one I have? I finally got the knockoff Baccarat, the Alt Crystal 23. Amazing. I got Killian. Oh, my God. How exciting. Let's hurry up and get through this bullshit so we can get to perfume reviews. Let's do it. First of all, his name cracks me up. Dennis Lynn Rader. Oh, I didn't know Lynn. Lynn okay. <laughs> Rader is born March 9th, 1945 in Kansas. He is the oldest of four boys. Married, normal parents, normal childhood, Christian family. He's a Boy Scout. Nothing that normally happens with serial killers, to the best of our knowledge, happened to Dennis. There is no head trauma. There is no sexual abuse. There is no physical abuse. There's nothing really pointing all the little things that happen normally to kids. It, he just has a regular childhood. I mean, I see two red flags, religion and Boy Scouts. Listen. <laughs> but that's now. I, I mean, yeah, I agree. <clears throat> From a very early age, he starts having these like violent BDSM fantasies, which is pretty crazy to me because it makes me wonder like how does that even get put into his head in the first place for sure where is he seeing it? where is he seeing it where yeah. is this coming from um a psychologist on something i read was saying normally this gets like sparked in someone's imagination either through like sexual abuse or assault or they saw it somewhere they were exposed to it Someone's something happened it. yeah but Dennis swears up and down that nothing like that happened in his childhood. It just came to him. So for whatever reason, it's just something that's always been a thing in his mind of stuff hmm. he likes. Hmm. Interesting. He does eventually escalate into killing dogs and cats, small animals. Um, he oh, prefers all the trigger warnings. By yeah, the way. yeah. He. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, to be known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's BTK. Exactly. He 
likes to kill them by strangling or hanging them. He graduates high school. He gets a couple of jobs here and there, kind of bounces around, eventually enlists in the Air Force in 1966 at 21 years old. May 1971, he's one year out of the Air Force, and he marries a local girl, Paula Dietz, um, who's also just like a normal Christian girl. I think he meets her at church. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything is seemingly good. He works for the Coleman Company, which as in like Coleman camping gear. Which is great stuff. Yeah. I love Coleman I'm sure he gear. probably got a great discount. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes some college courses. And so besides starting this whole like adult chapter of his life, He starts having some bad habits. Mm -hmm. He is a peeping Tom. He'll uh, watch women through their windows and masturbate. He'll break into their houses and steal their underwear. He's has a a pension for these. We're too young to know what these are, but I guess there used to be a thing called detective magazines. And it's kind of like true crime for back in the day. So it's like magazines that tell you about, um, you know, detective cases and stories and whatever that's cool but yeah but a lot of them have illustrations of women being victimized interesting so being tied up being Uh whatever so he has a real thing for these fucking detective magazines obviously he also starts really uh reading up on serial killers he at this point it's pretty obvious um like he knows where he's going. He he knows where what direction his life is taking. And so he reads up. He's like a very logical guy. Yeah. And so he reads up on serial killers to one kind of learn how to do it and learn how not to do it. Learn how not to get caught. Yeah. Um, so he educates himself on famous serial killers. In 1973, he's fired from the Coleman Company. And this kind of starts a little bit of a downward spiral. His porn addiction kind of grows out of control. He starts driving around uh, following young women and he'll fantasize about raping them and torturing them, obviously tying them up. He likes to dress as a woman and masturbate uh, with rope, like he'll tie ropes around his own body and dress as a woman and masturbate in his free time. Do we know what he got fired for? No. One girl he starts following, a.k.a. stalking, is 11-year-old Josephine Otero. So the Otero family is new to their neighborhood. It is comprised of dad, 38-year-old Joseph, mom, 33-year-old Julie, and their five kids, Charlie, Carmen, Danny, Josephine, and Joey. January 15th, 1974, after stalking, 11-year-old Josephine and her mom, Julie, for months. Dennis Rader is finally ready to put his, I guess, plan into action. He enters through the Otero's backyard. He cuts their phone line. He breaks into their home where he's actually surprised. It's supposed to just be Josephine and Julie at home. But actually, the dad, Joseph, and the youngest, Joey, are also home that day. He seduces them pretty quickly with a pistol. He convinces them that he's just like a criminal on the run. He just needs some cash to get out of town. Just let me tie you up. No big deal. Nobody will get hurt. I'll take what I need and I'll get out of here. So his non-threatening manner coupled with the gun he has, he actually ties them up pretty easily. Mm -hmm. He then 
strangles the dad Joseph to death and then he moves on to the mom Julie he then moves on to nine-year-old Joey where he puts a hood over his head and then ties rope around his neck and pulls a chair up to watch him slowly die so he doesn't strangle him by hand he just strangles him with a rope and lets him die while he watches and he then kick back for that one yes and then he finally gets to focus on his original target which is 11 year old josephine who he then takes to the basement and he hangs her up from a sewer pipe and pulls down her underwear and masturbates while she slowly dies he then takes pictures of the bodies takes a few mementos and takes off the bodies are discovered later that day by the Otero's three older kids who return home from school to oh, find this. Oh, my goodness. The oldest at the time is 15-year-old Charlie, who now is in his 60s. Um, he remembers that his two younger siblings found his mom and dad first. And younger siblings think that it's like a bad joke that his parents are playing on them. Um but Charlie gets them out of the house and to the neighbor's house where they call the police. And actually, they don't even know about their youngest siblings death and deaths until they're at the police station. Okay. Um, and they're informed of that. And in a recent interview, Charlie says that he's so thankful that he um, only saw his parents, that he did not see joey and josephine because he doesn't think he would ever recover from that yeah april 4th Catherine bright comes home with her brother kevin they're both uh college students they find dennis waiting for them in her house with a gun he immediately shoots kevin twice in the head which kevin survives but he cannot save his sister Catherine who is then quickly strangled to death by Dennis. Dennis didn't know that Kevin was going to survive. I think that was a bit of a surprise to him. So Kevin is able to give a very vague description to the police, like basically ethnicity and like an age range. And And how old is he at this point? Dennis? Yeah, like in his 20s. Well, this is... 74 and he was born in hold on we'll do the math 45 so 55 six, he's almost 30 okay mm-hmm. um so yeah just basically ethnicity age range and that he had like just like psychotic eyes like yeah. disturbing eyes at this point dennis thinks he's going to be caught mm-hmm. he made too many mistakes with the otero family and with Catherine's murder Kevin surviving was a big blow. So he's just waiting for the police to knock on the door. He just knows he's been caught. Unfortunately, though, he has not. As he as this is happening, his wife, Paula, is three months pregnant with their first child. Okay. Now, for some reason, three random dudes, I don't even have their names, confess, air quote, confess to the killings. Interesting. Dennis does not like this. He wants credit for his work. He takes pride in his work. So in October 1974, he contacts the editor of the Wichita Eagle, which is a newspaper, and 
directs him to a mechanical engineering book at the local library. In that book is a letter which contains unknown details of the Otero family murders. And it's filled with what's soon to be his signature mix of misspellings and grammar errors. Mm. If there's one thing you'll ever like about Dennis Raderby, it's the fact that he can't spell his way out of a fucking paper bag. Yeah. And it's so funny to me. It is. But I'm not a college educated person who has a career and he can't fucking spell. Present. I know. It's so funny. No, his is way worse than yours. And also his distinct sexually aggressive language. It also basically tells the police that the three guys that confessed are full of shit. They're just doing it for attention and for press. And that they'll soon know that this because he's not done and that he will leave his signature, which is bond them, torture them, kill them. BTK quote, you'll see it again. There will be another victim. After this, he takes a break. Mm -hmm. He takes about um, almost a three year break to have his first kid. And this becomes a pattern for him. He takes long breaks when his personal life starts to really like amp up, heat up. He has kids. He switches careers. He's got a lot going on. He'll take a break from what he's doing. He has to be present to keep face. Apparently so. This break stops on March 1977 when Dennis is let into the home of single mom Shirley Vianne, um, who is home alone with her three kids. Uh, he's let in by her five-year-old son. After locking the three kids in a bathroom, he then, of course, does his usual strangles Shirley, all the shit he always does to his victims. The kids do escape. Um, and around this time, his wife Paula finds a poem titled Shirley Locks and a quote from that poem thou shall not scream but lay on cushion and think of me in death when she asks Dennis what the fuck this poem is he had just started some college courses and he tells her it's a poem for for that Paula a little creative writing babe come on love I know you have a kid with this guy December 1977, after stalking 25-year-old Nancy Fox, Dennis breaks into her home, waits for her. Um, When she comes home, he calmly sits her down and tells her that he has a sexual problem that she needs to help him with and that this evening he's going to tie her up and have sex with her. They then talk a while longer. They smoke some cigarettes. And then he's basically like, okay. Now it's time. Now this is what we're doing. Yeah. He handcuffs her and he lays her on the bed face down. He ties her feet and um, he doesn't have sex with her. He strangles her with a belt and masturbates um, behind her. But this time he amps his game up. But every time before she can pass out or die, he'll loosen the belt and let her, let her revive, strangle again. her again. It prolongs the pain. It prolongs the torture. So it prolongs his sexual gratification because he's not he doesn't actually get off on killing people. He gets off on hurting people and binding people up and torturing people. But after you do that to a person, you kind of have to kill him. Yeah. Uh, This reminded me of John Wayne Gacy. Remember, he used to do that to those kids. Mm hmm. So after he finishes the job and takes his mementos and his pictures, he's so proud of himself. He 
to this day called it his perfect hit. Everything went exactly according to his plan. He's so proud of himself that the next day he calls the police department to report the crime and the address. He wants to make sure that they can find it right away. January, February, he contacts the police a couple more times. He then sends a message to the local news station and it says, how many people do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper or some national attention? Signed, the BTK Strangler. Pay attention to me. Me, 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 me. The little good boy scout needs his little badge, his little star. This leads the police to officially announce publicly that they have a serial killer on the loose. They print the letters that he's been sending um, in the newspaper. Of course, this triggers a statewide freak out, as it does all the time. Every one of these cases, shit like this does not happen in Wichita or even Kansas, for that matter. Everyone's freaking out. The sales of guns, locks, dogs. Had your kids. Had your wife. They soar through the roof like we see time and time again. All the way back to episode one, Gainesville yes. Ripper. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then what, like Son of Sam, oh, Hillside girl. Stranglers. Yep. And I'll list all oh, of those shit. episodes. Okay. The police also have nothing to go on. So mm-hmm. they ask the public for help. They release the phone call that they had recorded um, when he was reporting Nancy's murder. And this leads to tons of call-ins and tips, but it leads to no leads. It's crazy. His wife, Paula, even notices that the btk strangler and dennis misspell the same words incredible when they when they when they print the newspaper with the fucking letters he sends in she sees it and she's like oh look at that you guys misspelled this that and the i other feel differently. like you would be able if i ever wrote a serial killer letter to the, <laughs> you would know it was like be we need to have a real conversation you would, know, you would you would know it was me you'd be like i recognize that shit she says this like casually in passing and uh, doesn't bring it up again, which is good because the first thing Dennis thought was like, fuck, now I have to kill my wife. But then she never brings Not it back Paula. up. Now he takes another long break. Him and Paula now have two kids, Brian and Carrie. He goes back to college for a degree in criminal criminal <laughs> justice. In 1984, the new police chief does not want the case to go cold, so he starts the BTK task force, also known as the Ghostbusters. Wow. This is I didn't led know that. this is led by a young officer named Ken Landwer. And because they have nothing new to go off of, they basically just start by painstakingly preserving the evidence that they do have. They have no new leads, no new victims until April 1985. Mm-hmm. After a nice date of dinner and bingo, 53-year-old, what did you say? Marion. Marion mm-hmm. Hedge is dropped off at home by her boyfriend. Um, she lives actually right down the street from the Raider house. Dennis breaks in later that night, of course, as always, cuts the phone lines and then proceeds to strangle and kill Marion before putting her body in the trunk of his car and driving her to the Christ Lutheran Church where she's a deacon. Hmm. He takes her down into the basement and poses her body in various ways, takes pictures and then moves her body again and dumps her body on the side of the road. Her body is found 
nine days later, nude and um, decomposing pretty badly. I don't remember that at all. Now, Dennis has the perfect air quote alibi. Not that anyone's looking at him, but he was actually at a Boy Scout camp with his son. Boy Scout camping trip when he left the camp at 1 a.m. when everyone was sleeping killed this poor woman and then made it back to Boy Scout camp before anybody woke up and was none the wiser. So if anybody would have asked, he would have had a whole camp full of people saying, oh, he was he was here. Of course. Obviously. Couldn't be. Couldn't be Dennis. This is not the only time that he uses the Boy Scouts to hide his dirty deeds. He has a habit. Just Boy Scouts and dirty deeds. <laughs> just, uh, he has a habit of going on these Boy Scout camping trips and hikes and wood bullshit. <laughs> and he'll sneak off on his own and dr- put on his women's lingerie, dress as a woman. He has these really creepy like female masks that he puts on no, and like wigs. And he'll tie himself up, wrap himself up in saran wrap and tie himself up with ropes and bondage. He'll even like fake hang himself from trees. Girl, he's giving me Gone Girl vibes. Yeah. And then he takes pictures of himself with like a, you know, like a button, like he has a button connected Mm -hmm. to his camera and he'll take basically selfies of him all gagged and And like Buffalo Bill vibes. Yes. He'll even like dig fake graves and lay in the graves all tied up. And there's been a couple of times where he tied himself and hung himself up so good he thought he was going to, like he was stuck. Yeah. And he thought for sure the Boy Scouts were going to fucking find him like that in the middle of the woods. Dude, I read a book where that happened the daughter came to visit her dad at like their summer house or whatever i don't think he was expecting her he was doing like his own bdsm or whatever but he got stuck and accidentally hung himself and she found his body nice and they needed to find out how he died they weren't sure if it was suicide or if it was murder and then they found out that no he was just kinky I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but there's like a very not well-known Stephen King book that I've talked to multiple people and I'm the only person I know so far that's read it. But basically a couple is having like an affair and they get like a cabin out in the woods. Nobody knows they're there because they've both lied to everybody in their lives of where they're actually going to be because they're having an affair together. Yeah. They get a little kinky and I can't she remember. handcuffs him. So, yeah, I think she handcuffs him to the to bed the with bed. like real handcuffs. And, leaves. and then, no, she dies. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And nobody knows he's there. Yeah. And he can't get off this fucking bed. Right. No, and I can't mom, remember how sure. it ends, but it's pretty crazy. Absolutely. It's a crazy idea. That's why no, you need the, know. the toy handcuffs. I know exactly what you're talking about. You need to have a way out. Also, here, where's your phone? So you don't you don't know this about him, about Dennis? No. Let's show you the... Do you need your thumbprint, B? So, basically, if you Google BTK or Dennis Rader, you get horrific images. Let's see. I don't because I don't want to get information prior to the podcast. I want to get it from you. So, my point is, is that if somebody were to, they will see these crazy fucking images and think, holy shit, he's a sick motherfucker thinking that these are his victims. It's him. And any of these, like, just right there on that one side, all of those super creepy Buffalo Bill style pictures, those uh, are him dressed up. Yeah. No, I 
I would not have known that. No, you would think they were like his victims, yeah. huh? Nah, that's him, dog. Wow. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, he definitely reminds me of Buffalo Bill. Um, and then later on, I'll mention it, but it reminds me of the movie we're Seven. We're talking about Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Then we're talking about Captain Stottlemyers. Then we're talking about Mug Bitches. Cheers. I was polishing up my notes at work the other day because I knew I had a break in my day. First of all, nobody else there has watched Monk. Oh, that's not surprising. And then nobody else there. I'm like, well, okay, but look, Captain Sodemeyer is Buffalo Bill and nobody knew what I was talking about. So, fuck, we're getting really off topic. Yeah, who Sorry, cares? Our BFF tattoo. Uh-huh. So I do. I really like your last girl. We don't have to spell it out. We can even just like yeah. do like whatever. Like an acronym. And I think we can put it wherever he ends up killing her. Like if she gets oh. stabbed in the neck or if she gets stabbed in the heart or if she gets whatever, it's stabbed in the chest. Cute. We're talking about the final Halloween, right? Yes. You and sent me the TikTok. I sent you the TikTok. Jamie Lee Curtis sent a, a teary-eyed, basically goodbye to the fans. Hope you like the final chapter and what she signed off your final girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we've been looking for like a BFF tattoo and we thought that'd be cute. But... Prior to you sending me that, I also thought getting the death moth. Yeah. Because obviously that's a that's a two for one. Yeah. That's monk and it listen. Like, oh, right. <laughs> we can get the death moth with the fucking we can, right, all of it. With the all words. of the above. Yeah. yeah. But so cute. Yeah. All right. Count me in whenever you're ready. Okay. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. Anyway, so yeah, he's fucking around in the woods being weird as shit. <laughs> As Wayne Dale. Um, and so he keeps all of these pictures of himself and of the bodies, all the mementos he's collected. He keeps them in this like lockbox in the house. And the family, particularly Paula, knows about the lockbox, but she's never opened it or asked yeah. him what was in it. She's yeah. not nosy. Sweet Paula. So lovely. Mm hmm. Although I do love to think of a, a secondary timeline where she does. Because I would fucking open that shit. I'm oh. a nosy bitch. I'm in everybody's business. My husband has Believe. no secrets. I go through all of his shit. Ooh, the way I would have caught my husband as a serial killer so early on. Yeah. And listen, I know everyone talks about being a ride or die. No, no. <laughs> Turned him in immediately. Mm -hmm. Not dealing with this shit. Like, if it comes up that Nick had a prior marriage or a prior life or something, sure. But serial killer or anything that has to do Pedophile. with like, yeah, kids. I was just going to say with kids, out. Killing, what if, he, what if they kill dogs nope. in their spare time? Out. Yeah. Mm -mm. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And who's to say that, oh, yeah, because he loves you so much, he'll never do that. This nope. motherfucker was ready to kill his wife mm -mm. at the drop of a dime. Yeah. She said one thing and he was like, I gotta All kill right. my wife now. Mm-hmm. Anywho, <laughs> September 1986, Bill Weggerly is headed home for his midday lunch break to have lunch with his wife and his baby. And he comes home to find his two-year-old crying by their self, um, which is obviously very odd. And so then he goes on to find his wife, Vicky, has been strangled to death in their bedroom. And the police know right away this is obviously BTK again, has all of his signature moves. I mean, he didn't kill the baby. Yeah, so he doesn't like, kill a lot of kids. Yeah. I think the youngest he kills is Joey old. and Josephine. Yeah. Josephine, because that's who he was stalking, and Joey, because he happened to be there. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so yeah. January 1991, he strangles and kills 62-year-old Dolores Davis and leaves her body by a bridge. And then he goes quiet. And all killings and all correspondence stops completely. And so the police are wondering, they have a few theories. Maybe he's been arrested for a different crime. That actually happens quite a bit. For sure. It got him off the streets. Um. Or maybe he's dead. Mm -hmm. Or maybe he's just too fucking old. Yeah. They're like, maybe this guy just aged out of the game and he can't do it anymore. These are all really good possibilities. The one thing they were not expecting was for him to just be living and working in their community. Just being a normal guy. Among them. Mm -hmm. He is obviously a Boy Scout leader. He's now a church leader. Loving dad. Loving husband. So... His grown-up daughter, Carrie, gives that interview to Esquire. She also writes a book. She has a memoir, which I'll tag at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But she remembers, like I just said, a normal childhood. Once, you know, spoiler, her dad was caught, obviously. Once it came out that he was the killer, there were some red flags that popped up where she was like, that's weird. Um, She said that he did have, like, kind of violent outbursts. Like, he didn't lose his temper a lot, but when he did lose his temper, it was extreme. Right. But, you know, he's a dad. Yeah. Like, we all lose our shit. Dads are fucking like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And her, I mean, he was probably worse, but I could see her just chalking that up as like, yeah, dads are dicks sometimes. Yeah. He had a bad day. He's, yeah. Um, He's also obsessed with the family's safety. He's constantly everything is somebody's trying to break into the house somebody's trying to assault you somebody's trying to rob us and obviously it's projecting right he does it so he sees that as everybody else trying to do that in the world of course but yeah she said he was like weirdly obsessed with this idea that someone was constantly trying to like yeah at first you're like oh dad's trying to protect us and now you're like oh no dad's just realizing so the theory is, is that he now that he's quiet, he has such a huge stash of mementos and pictures and his own weird selfies and porn and his detective magazines that that's what's kind of keeping him satiated mm-hmm. and keeping him normal seeming. Satiated. That's satiated. Sexy word. Wichita starts to eventually go back to normal. And in January 2004, B's turning 19. Sure. Yep. It is the 30-year anniversary of the Otero family murders. And so the Wichita Eagle, still up and running. It's still up and running to this day. I actually wanted to read their original articles, but it's behind a fucking paywall. So sorry, Wichita Eagle. You didn't get my five bucks. But Wichita Eagle... um, basically releases like an anniversary article Mm -hmm. a tribute article about the events that happened back in the day now i don't know what it is with dennis his kids are now grown he's older i don't know if he's just bored or if he's just been keeping it buried for so long (laughs) he can't fucking do it anymore but seeing this anniversary article is what sparks him to revive BTK Mm. so March 2004 the Wichita Eagle receives an envelope filled with Vicki Weggerly's missing ID pictures of her body and 
like unknown details that only the authorities would know about. And then in May, he mails a word search to a local news station. Very Zodiac, right? These oh, word girl. puzzles he's sending in. And they find the words Prowl, Fantasies, Raider, and 6220, which is the beginning part of his address. And Oh, wow. Okay. He starts hiding serial killer cereal boxes all over town and mailing in clues as to where the authorities can find these boxes. He mails it into the media. He mails it into the police themselves. And it's these cereal boxes filled with like mementos, IDs, Barbie dolls that have been like bound and gagged and made and basically positioned like his victims. Mm hmm. And he's just fucking with them at this point. Yeah. It's very seven. That's what it reminds me of is seven, right? The clues and the oh running around God, town. What an incredible movie. Absolutely. I do appreciate the pun of the serial killer cereal boxes. Like I've always wanted to do that. The serial killer Halloween costume. Yeah, I have all the small boxes from Violet that I've been saving up and then put it on the bloody T-shirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So another thing to appreciate about Dennis Rader, he can't spell... And it's a great pun. Yeah. What what more could there be? Is he me? <laughs> You're like, am I Dennis Rader? <laughs> Have I blacked it out all these what? years? In one box, he uh, leaves a postcard asking if they ever found his special package at the Home Depot. And the police are like, the Home Depot? The Home Depot. So they run to the Home Depot yeah. and they interview everybody. They find an employee who did find a weird fucking cereal box in the bed of his truck and threw it away. They go through the garbage. They find the cereal box. And inside the cereal box with all the other bullshit he puts in there is basically a note asking if it's possible to communicate on a floppy disk without it being traced. Mm. And if that is possible to run an ad in the local paper that says Rex, it will be okay. Okay. That's the code. Now the police know that it is not possible that you can trace a floppy disk to where it originated from. Uh They don't fucking tell him that. No. Like why does he think they're going to be honest with him? So they run the, they run the code sentence in the classified section of the newspaper, along with the PO box address that he could drop said floppy disk february 2000 or sorry february yeah 2005 they get the disk and they hand it right over to their cyber cop randy stone who finds one randall stone okay he finds one file on the disk and the software for the disk is registered to christ lutheran church and the account used is under the name dennis they do a quick cross-reference to find that the Dennis of Chris Christ Lutheran Church is none other than Dennis Rader, president of the church. Whew. Crazy. Yeah. They also, I'm not sure how they find out about the daughter. I think they go to like the local hospital, doctor, whatever, and um, find out that his grown daughter had recently had a pap smear and because the Ghostbusters task force has kept such amazing care of evidence they do have DNA evidence of BTK Mm. so the hospital sends over DNA samples of his daughter Carrie they cross-reference it 
It's a match for sure. Dennis go. Rader go, is go, go, BTK. Go. February 25th, 2005, 59-year-old Dennis Rader is arrested. Um, he is on his way home for lunch with his wife when they roll up on him and get him down to the station. They confront him with the DNA evidence and he confesses almost immediately and then talks for 33 hours straight. Okay. Will, yeah. He can't wait to fucking tell somebody about oh the shit God. he's been up to. Yep. Uh-huh. I'm like, because when you say when he confessed immediately, I'm like, wait a minute. And then you're like, oh, yeah. They search his house. They find his lockbox with all of that shit in it, what's left that he hasn't sent out to them. They find his hit kit is what he calls it, which is a black bag filled with pantyhose, ropes, cords, gloves, hoods, knives, duct tape, a gun, basically anything he needs. Um, and that he used that hit kit on almost all 10 murders. The when they announce this, the public is shocked. His family is shocked. Yeah. Again, a normal seeming person. Could you imagine finding out that that's Leader, your dad? President of the church. That's not that shocking to me. It, know, but, but the fact like it like finding out it's your dad, you're like nerdy. Not you, yeah. but like if you're Carrie, you're nerdy, middle-aged, white, bald dad with glasses. Yeah. Fucking nerd alert over there right. is the fucking BTK killer. For sure. Wild. Yeah. June 27th, 2005, Dennis Rader pleads guilty to 10 first degree murders. He testifies at length in court, giving explicit details of each murder in the calmest, most normal voice you could ever use. He's talking about it like you asked him, what'd you have for lunch yesterday? Yeah. What's the weather like in Wichita? I know. That's how calm he answers. It's crazy to see. And yeah. the other thing that really bothers me, this is just on a personal level, he looks and acts and reminds me so much of my father-in-law, who is my dad's stepdad. Thank God they don't share DNA. That it like creeps me out. Because wow. my father-in-law creeped me out for all the same reasons. Okay. I could totally see my, my father-in-law being That's a crazy. Dennis Raider. And to see somebody who looks yeah. so much like my father-in-law and talk like him. Crazy. Too much for me to handle. Yeah. Anyways, that's just a side note. So August 05, he is sentenced to 10 consecutive life terms. That is a minimum of 175 years with no chance of parole. That's where he still is, is rotting away in some prison. I would assume in Kansas. For real life? Yeah, he's still alive. This is only in 2005, B. I, I guess. I don't know. I figured by now maybe he would have died of something. Now, at last I checked, he is still alive, still terrorizing those around him. So let's get into that real quick. Um, I want to give a shout out to his daughter, Carrie Rawson. I believe her last name is. Um, her book is called A Serial Killer's Daughter, My Story of Faith, Love and Overcoming. So I already mentioned all the other stuff she said about her dad, that he was normal and blah, 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 blah. She did say that one of the first red flags before he was ever named the BTK killer was they were posting in the newspaper these letters that he had written recently and he kept dropping in like little fun facts about himself like um just just shit just just little things little yeah, like no. easter eggs yeah. and it was enough that it did catch her attention uh -huh. like 
That's weird. That's that reminds like, me of. Yeah, but like again, how many guys his age could say that? Like he was referencing like World War Two stuff that happened with his parents, like stuff like that. Where it it's could like happen to anybody. It's a that... generational thing. Yeah, but it was enough to like pique her interest of like that's weird. Okay. So there was a little inkling, cool, somewhere in yeah. the back of her mind. Um, after he was locked up, she would still write him. Um, basically at first just telling him like thank you for our childhood like you were a good dad and they kept up a correspondence she never called him she never visited him in person neither did her brother Brian Um, the mom Paula divorced him instantly the minute that motherfucker got locked up she was like nope divorce right now she says that as far as her mom's concerned he died he died and she just tries to like suppress and move on she doesn't like talking about her brother Brian very much because he's a really private person. She says that he is really smart. He's an eagle. He was an eagle scout um, and he grew up to be just like a just an all around nice guy. You know, he has a hard time. Do you know something I don't know? No, it just makes me scared because it's like, well, yeah, well, everyone would say the same about his dad. I, it's true. I know. Um, I'm sure he's fine. Dennis is upset. He doesn't understand why none of his family will come see him in person um he really wanted to be in on the book when he found out about the book deal he wanted it to be like a partnership like they both do the book and she was like no bruh like Mm -mm. this is about my healing this is about like this is me this is about me of course everything has to be about dennis yeah you don't get to say anything else anymore yeah and she's like no this is kind of your part's done my thing she does you know at the time of the interview she says one of the biggest misunderstandings that people had at least about her dad is that they go, oh, he's a serial killer. He's probably a psychopath. He has no feelings. She goes, I know for a fact he has, he has feelings. feelings. Like he he cares for us. He loved his kids. He raised his kids. Like I've seen him have feelings about things. And she said her theory is maybe that's why we don't catch more serial killers because we can't accept the fact that they could just be hiding in plain sight like her dad was. I thought that was going to be a great way to end the article. Yeah. However, some stuff has happened since her interview with Esquire and that is um, Dennis took a real left on her as of 2021 he basically started like cyber stalking her from prison and having he like every sick motherfucker in prison has his like fan group his people who like love him and um, will do anything for him so he like sends them to like stalk her basically on the internet, blow up her social media and either threaten her or try to convince her what a good da- good guy her dad is because she's gotten no contact with Dennis. He would send her like drawn pictures of dead animals or like oh animals gosh. with like their mouths like gaping open, just like weird sick pictures. Um, and so then she uh, got a no contact order against him. And so that's when he started sending his like little fans after her. Yeah. Um, so... That seems like that was the last actual bridge he had left in this world, and he burned it right to the fucking ground. Of course. Um, so, you know, here's hoping that Carrie and Paula and Brian are having as normal of a life possible. Rest in peace to the victims. Dennis Rader, I hope you die of rape in prison. That's what I'm saying. Please, someone, just finish it off already. God and that's damn. the BTK killer. Thank God.
What do you think? I think he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what BTK standed for, so that was fun. Bind, torture, kill. Although the Brits, with all of their genius, they titled their episode of Real Crime "Born to Kill?" Question oh. mark. They're all BTK. Does that mean that, he, or like, was he actually born to kill? I'm like, all right. I was gonna suggest we name our episode like BT Dubs. Oh, I was thinking of trying to do something like a BLT. I wasn't oh, no. sure where to go with that. No BT Dubs, BLK. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know. Can you be are you going to be able to read your notes? Do you want to borrow my monk notebook to like have a backdrop? We'll see how it works. We'll get through it. All right. Let's get into it. I'm so excited. You have me all hyped up now. Just a reminder. This is the hunt for the BTK killer 2005. And real quick, how many BTK movies were there to choose from? Quite a few. Yeah. 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 What's 2005? For us? Yeah. Um, two years post high school. Mm-hmm. So you're probably moving to, I think to your college soon. Exactly. It's still in. Uh... I'm graduating beauty school and starting my assistantship at the salon. Love it. And what is that for him? Where is he? BTK? He's being arrested. There we go. Okay. He was arrested in February 05. Boom. The first thing we see is a dedication to the people of Wichita the three generations of law enforcement officers who worked relentlessly. That's crazy. Three generations. Isn't it? That's wild. Isn't it? To solve the case. June 27th, 2005. Sedgwick County, Kansas. We see Detective Jason Magia walk into the courthouse trying to avoid media. Inside, Dennis takes his seat next to a next to his attorney. Dennis is played by Greg Henry. You might remember Greg from episode fifty-three, The Black Dahlia. He played Peter Luckins. Okay. <laughs> we hear how Dennis coined his own name in a letter written to the newspaper. BTK, obviously, which we now know. His representation tells the judge that Dennis pleads guilty to all 10 counts of murder. Is that accurate? Was there 10? Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Waiving his right to trial. And then we go back in time one year prior. Okay. Oh, four. Dennis is getting dressed, heading off to his job as a city Park compliance officer. And that's what he was doing. What the fuck is a compliance officer? Um, is so it just like making, Parks and Rec? It's making sure that people are just following the weird little city laws. And I didn't mention it because who cares? But it's to be noted that he was like the number one compliance officer of all time. Because remember, talking about Mr. Crazy Type A person, they said... For the smallest infractions, like he's the worst. That person's dog's out of their yard, or that curb needs to be painted that color, or whatever. Yep. They said that he would go after it like a murder detective trying to solve a case. So he would have evidence, pictures, weeks of like uh, investigating and watching. So that's what he did to kill time. 
Yeah, I guess so. He was too busy fucking they were like, ratting out. People. They were like, in all fairness, he was the best compliance officer we ever had. But all of his coworkers were like, he was extreme. They hated him. <laughs> they hated him. No, he's doing shit. He's measuring people's grass. Yeah, this is exactly what he was up to. That's so funny that that's what they have in the movie because that's exactly what he was doing. <laughs> he's measuring grass to write citations. He is purposefully. Like looking for stray dogs yeah. to take to the pound, knowing that if they don't notify the owners in time, they're going to euthanize the dogs, which he gets off on because it pisses off and makes the owner sad and the dog dies. So yeah. it's a win-win for him. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would love for if somebody out there would make a show about Dennis Rader, the compliance officer, oh and just him being fucking crazy, crazy about town laws yeah. and regulations he gives his loving wife paula a kiss on his way as we see on the tv news reporting that it's been 30 years since btk had his first murder and 20 years of like inactivity yeah Everyone knows Dennis around town. He's a great husband. He's an active member of the church. He's the youth camp leader. It very much reminds me of John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Episode 11. Strong JWG vibes. For whatever reason, he catches a TV interview about him. And I guess there's some guy who's trying to sell a book. Oh, shit. Claiming to, like, know his story, right? He's trying to tell everything he knows about BTK as a killer. And this is what lights the fire in Dennis. So you got, like, a news article. This is some guy trying to do, like, a tell-all. Okay. He goes to a work shed in his yard, pulls out, like, a story that he's been working on for some time. Like, a book. Mm-hmm. He has a plastic tube that looks like something that would be used to hold blueprints. Yeah. And that's where he holds all of his little mementos. Oh, interesting. Not a lockbox. Anybody could open that thing. Well, but it's like not weird looking. Like it's just like a random blue plastic tube. So again, I would open it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the souvenirs from the victims include articles of clothing, jewelry, IDs, Polaroids. January 15th, 1974. We are going back and seeing the Otario family murder. We see a very much younger Dennis. This is why I said probably in his 20s. Mm-hmm. Listen as he, um, like he's detailing his first killing. So he's in court talking about it and we're going back in time and watching it. The unknown family fits his fantasy. He waits in a van for the husband to leave. The husband never comes back in the movie. Okay. It's inter- like why change the details of the murder? It's such a weird like subtle thing to change. Sorry for the weird paper ASMR. <laughs> paper ASMR. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just thought it would be easier instead of having to like have him be calm and subdue them, subdue them that way. Maybe it's just easier to get the grown man out of the house. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. The little boy opens the door allowing Dennis to enter the home where he ties everyone up. He places a plastic bag over the son's head, strangles the mother, and then kills the daughter in the basement. 
In court, we hear him admit to having sex with the daughter's dead body to fulfill his other fantasies. Again, never happened. Okay. He never had sex with bodies. Again, it was... It's the pain that he got off on. Once they were dead, he could give a fuck. Okay. He would masturbate while they died and they were in a lot of pain Look and suffering twisting shit up mm-hmm. okay the officer who was called to the scene details that at the time he was just 27 years old three years of experience and was in no way prepared for what he found at the house he says he'll never be able to unsee what happened to that family back in court Dennis says Catherine Bright was his next victim April 4th, 1974, he's driving by, caught sight of Catherine, arriving at her home, saw the opportunity, didn't expect for the brother Kevin to also be there, used a 22 to shoot Kevin, assumes to be dead, uh, moves on to Catherine, whom he maliciously stabs to death, brother makes it out alive. March 19th, 2004, he sends a letter to the newspaper and uh, boom, immediately I'm thinking of all the attention-seeking motherfuckers. We've got Zodiac Killer, episode 50, Son of Sam, episode 26. They can confirm it's BTK because of the specific signature and um, because he includes photos of the crime scene before the police got there. They get the warrant for the return address, but it's just an abandoned house. They review the letter closer. One line reads, they were looking for Manson's, some guy with crazy swastikas on his forehead. Episode 74. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, so they were looking, but basically you're saying they were looking for... An a crazy obvious guy. crazy guy. Yeah, and he's like, they'll never find me because I am them. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Detective Magia is trying to figure out what made BTK come out of hiding after, like, 15 years, right? And, again, it's linked back to this book that's coming out. So I think it's interesting that, again, there's there's no book. <clears throat> But we go see this author and we ask him to work with police to see if they can keep BTK communicating. Right. Let's keep him riled up. Yeah. We'll keep instigating him. It's the only thing they have to go on. They do. Mm -hmm. And this is when they hold the press conference and they confirm to the community that he is, in fact, out there. He is alive. He is active. And um, it's at this time that we see like we have time and time again. Guns are flying off the shelves. Don't dare make eye contact with anyone you don't know because everybody's a suspect. <laughs> For sure. Um, that would be so crazy to yeah. have them be like, he's back. And you're like, yeah. what? Mm-hmm. Women begin to cut their hair, just like we saw in episode 14. Mm-hmm. And again, episode some of Son of Sam. Believing what was episode 14? The Lover's Lane. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Dennis and his wife are in church praying for BTK's capture and punishment as the reverend then approaches him at the end of the service. There you go. Thank you. You never watched Trailer Park Boys, right? 
Um, I've, I mean, I've seen it, but yeah, I've so never the really it. drunk, like the main drunk guy, um, Jim Leahy, mm-hmm. he's the fucking like main <laughs> pastor, preacher, whatever guy. <laughs> so he's in the movie and I just about died. Fucking kills me. Anyways. Uh, and this is, he's the one that offers Dennis the job to be president of church council. Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, that reminded me of the alphabet killer mm. because in my movie, remember at the very end, we weren't sure like Eliza Dushku was going kind of crazy, right? Mm-hmm. She was bipolar or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she shot him, but we never found the body. Mm-hmm. And at the end he was found at the church sitting next to the little oh, girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So episode 70, December 8th. 1977. So how do you feel watching the movie? It's doing the time jump thing. Is it bugging you? It's subtle enough because it's him in court recounting the killings. Okay. Right. It's not just them piecing shit together like a puzzle, you know? Also, speaking of fucked up pastors and priests, um, Man, it's such a mixed feelings. I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about Shia LaBeouf. Mm. You know what? A, how much I love him, but then he's also a piece of shit. It's hard. It's yeah. hard to like figure out what to do with that. Yeah. Anyways, he's making his screen return as a real life person named um, Padre Pio Pia. Okay. okay. But a very famous priest who apparently. Like, this was just in, like, the 70s and 80s, I think, over... I want to say he was in Italy. I'm not 100% sure because I don't know anything about him. But it's a infamous priest who um, worked modern-day miracles and had stigmata. Okay. And that's who Shia is playing. Okay. But he's done an interview so far with um, the Punisher, uh, Shane. What's his yes. name? John... Oh, I don't know his real name, but yeah. Yeah, who cares? Yeah, oh, my Shane, God. Shane, yeah. the Walking Dead, because they're, you know, friends in real life and... I only watched um, clips of it on YouTube because you have to pay for the full interview. Because I guess that guy, the Punisher, has a podcast. Okay. And it seems as though Shia's really gone through it. He went through AA. He went through deep intensive therapy. He fully admits to everything he did. We can always hope for the best. He admitted to all the domestic violence. He admitted to all the bullshit. He's like coming clean. But anyways, um, so I don't know how to feel about Shia, but I just thought that was funny that you brought up. That he's, you're like, yeah, that drunk guy is the like main pastor. And I'm like, oh, well, Shia LaBeouf is, is a about priest, to play. So yeah. <laughs> go figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really not looking for great actors to represent, I guess. It's like they're always complaining that they're not representing like disabled people in movies. Like, well, then hire someone with that disability. Like right. I hired that person to yeah. play it. Don't act that out yeah they did in a quiet place she was actually the the daughter it was deaf oh in real life um because what's his face john krasinski's the director okay he made it a point to hire a deaf person i never saw the second one yeah but you saw the first one no i know but i'm just saying did you no because we saw the first one together yes yeah which was hilarious because we brought beer (laughs) and there's never like i don't know if you guys have ever brought beers or seltzers to a movie theater, but normally you wait for a loud part of the movie to crack them, and there was never a and loud this was part lo- of the, quiet, the place. quiet place. And we're like, "Fuck it, we just gotta crack them," and like all of our neighbors would start laughing, like giggling. <laughs> that was the best. 
Anyways, sorry about that. Anyways, nothing. Okay, where are we? Okay. December 8th, 1977. He calmly describes tying up and raping Nancy Fox before strangling her to death with a belt. Leading up to her death, he describes trolling and stalking his potential victims, spending weeks or sometimes months going through their trash, mail, anything he can to learn more about them. 100% true in real life. That's what we called it was trolling. He would even like go into their... He's like the original troll. Yeah, he'd go into like places of business, like their places of business and like, yeah. He definitely was one for stalking. The more he knew about the victim, the more comfortable and confident and like the more satisfactory. Right. Mm -hmm. He writes another letter to the press asking how many people do I need to kill before I see my name in the paper. Right. May 4th, 2004, news station detective Magia partner detective Baines, all these people, they're reviewing a letter and the return address includes a table of contents. And I guess inside is a list of like chapters for this book that I said that he had been working on. Okay. Uh, police decide to keep this information out of the public. They get a lead. They find saliva on the stamp, but they never get a match to that. Okay. Right? So that DNA doesn't do anything, but now they have the saliva. Okay. The communications continue for months, but it's not really helpful. But they are getting a lot of like government funds, uh, police release. Some of the claims that BTK has made, like you had referenced before, the fact that he is somewhere between the ages of 64 or 65. Mm-hmm. His father died in World War II. Yeah. Raised by all... a single mother. Yeah. Um, he was raised by a railroad. He was very active outdoors lifestyle. He attended tech military school. Come on. How many of these motherfuckers went the military route? Let's name it. We've got <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer. Funny you should <laughs> ask. I have the answers right here for you. <laughs> All right, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I mean, Dahmer, again, son of Sam. It's just insane. I mean, yeah, they're looking for. They figure like, let's give that a try. Maybe pretend like we can kill for the country. But when that's or not good enough. Or even like maybe having somebody control them for once. The structure. Like, yeah, maybe that will set me straight. He claims his first killing was in February 1974. Anyways, we watch Dennis and his wife eat dinner and listen to the nightly news as they're revealing all these facts and she questions why would a serial killer want us to know all these things about somebody as dennis stares intensely at the screen (laughs) bitch what do you not put together (laughs) paula paula oh man i don't know what what's the come on babe what's the biggest toxic trait either being the ostrich with the head in the sand or being like me who thinks everyone's guilty of everything at all times you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like they're both pretty toxic. This does, however, lead to an anonymous tip resulting in the arrest of Roger Valdez. <laughs> DNA, of course, does not match, and police decide to cover their asses by claiming that he was arrested for something else. Something totally unrelated. I don't know anything about this. Yeah. Because you said 
three other people came forward. Yeah, and there was something in the biography article about um, the Weggerly case, which Mm -hmm. was one of the last murders Mm -hmm. to take place, and that the husband became the number one suspect for a a hot minute because it's his wife and he found the body. But then when I was watching the documentary and something else I was watching, they said that the police knew it was BTK right away. So I'm not sure what to do with that. But I don't know about this guy. Okay. While police are trying to clean up their mess, Dennis is taking his mother flowers at her assisted living home. Oh, how sweet. She lights up when she sees him. Oh, it's her boy. She tells everyone the best son ever. He sits with her, holds her hand as they watch shows together. Also, let's just say this. Somebody who's this perfect, that's a red flag in of itself. Every great man that I know is kind of an asshole. Our husbands are kind of assholes. assholes, It's, you know, you kind of need them to be sometimes. Sometimes it really comes in handy. Sometimes you want to kill them. But like. I don't know any great men in my life who I'm just like, oh, my God, they're fucking perfect. Sunshine comes out of their ass. I I love every single thing about them. Like every great guy, my dad, my grandpa, my brothers, like every great guys I know have got something going Mm because they're like normal humans they're well-rounded human beings there's shit about you and i that are fucking it's terrible the worst lots of people are annoyed by me you're too perfect it's just like i don't know somebody who like nobody has anything weird to say about them that's a red flag in of itself i know i agree the next day at church again reverend Leahy presents Dennis as the new council president and he leads them in prayer. His wife is beaming. So proud. Desperate police decide to have this author do another interview hoping to get BTK's attention. Embedded within the interview are clips of things only the killer would know. References to glasses he left behind Things like that. In response, BTK wraps up a and strangles a Barbie and sends it to police with an ID for Nancy Fox. At the Home Depot parking lot on January 8th, 2005, police find another package and this drop was caught on surveillance camera. Unfortunately, they can't identify who placed it. I do remember that. And it wasn't anything that I read or watched for this, but I've watched an episode of Catching Killers on Netflix. Okay. And the BTK episode, I watched it way before we ever did the research for this. But I remember that they had him. The surveillance. They had him on surveillance and they said they watched that video. So many. Hundreds of hours. They'd over and over and, and over and over again. And they could not get anything nothing from it. Nothing about it. Mm-mm. Police are hopeful, though, that he'll continue to make these mistakes. Police receive the floppy disk from BTK, which they use to trace him and come up with the author's name is Dennis and the location being the church. At the church, the reverend confirms that Dennis is the president. He has complete access to the computer software, but surely they're mistaken. <coughs> Clearly. Mm-hmm. The facts revealed earlier all add up before, and although police feel confident that they found their killer, they take their time not wanting to fuck this up. 
They start fo- following him and stalking him just like he's done to his victims for the past 30 years. Oh. They get all the warrants they need. And this is when we find out about the daughter's DNA. Up until this point, I had no idea about kids. Really? N- at no point were the kids mentioned in oh. the movie. Not once. Just that they used the daughter's DNA. So, anywho, we know it's a match. Police have whatever they need. They make their move. We watch Dennis make, or sorry, wake up as he would any other day. He kisses his wife goodbye. He gathers his lunch, his thermos of coffee. He drives to the church. He drops off spaghetti sauce for that night's potluck. And as he's driving back to his house, he's surrounded by police and FBI and this reminds me of episode 61, The Iceman. Yeah, it reminded me of that, too. They went to a diner, though, right? Well, no. So the peanut butter sandwich or whatever didn't work on the... Oh, what am I thinking of? I don't know. I thought they arrested the Iceman and his wife Maybe a diner from lunch or dinner. So for you... In the actual case, probably. In the movie. Oh, right. I'm thinking about the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I bet either way. So yeah. yeah, in real life, I think they were at a diner. I think in the movie, he was pulling, he was taking his wife to the hospital because she was sick or something. Mm-hmm. His wife was in the car and she was like, no, it can't be. She was like in disbelief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But whatever, same thing. The family's like, what is, What? This is ridiculous. And he even said in real life after they arrested him and he's in the back of the car because they arrest him in real life outside of like his his work. Yeah. And so they get him in the back of the car and he says, hey, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically casual as can be. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, could you fellas go tell my wife I won't be making it for lunch? I have a feeling you know where I live. Mm-hmm. Like this cocky son of a bitch. Well, this really isn't any different. He calmly sits in the seat with his hands raised. Like when they ask, do you know why you're being arrested? He smiles and says, I have a suspicion. Right? Yeah. So just as cocky. Dennis's wife watches in disbelief as they unload all the evidence. Police interrogation lasted over 30 hours. At first, God, imagine listening to this guy talk for 33 hours. Jeez. Like, when is my shift over? Can somebody tap me out? At first, he's playful and cocky. All, I'm such a big fan of BTK, keeping up on all the latest blah, blah, blah. But when they confront him with the floppy disk and the DNA, he's all like, well, let's break it down from the beginning. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, talk to, let's talk for a while. He tells them that he knew he was a sadist as early as elementary school, first torturing and killing animals. And again, we've got the Boston Strangler and Bundy and Gacy and Son of Sam and meow, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Inside Stranglers, I think, right? right? All of them. Who else talked for a long time during their interrogation? Was it Edmund Kemper? Maybe. Might have been John Wayne Gacy. One of them talked for fucking ever, too. Might have been John Wayne Gacy. He seems the type. When they asked why he stopped, he said it was physically harder. The older he got, he was tired. He didn't have the same fight. He didn't have the time. It wasn't that he stopped 
like everything though like he was always constantly in trolling phase and he even had someone in sight he had like a waitress at a local restaurant that he wanted to get like he was working on her at the time he draws a map to the secret scrapbooks he has hidden in a false drawer bottom and he was never in it for the people necessarily he was more in it for like his dream of the kill or the like like you said the torture yeah he didn't care so much about the actual victim right and closing notes read that dennis could not be sentenced to death because his crimes were committed prior to 1994 the year capital punishment was reinstated in kansas oh interesting right what i thought and he was instead charged with 10 consecutive life sentences making him eligible for parole in 2180 at the age of 235 no who knows there's modern miracles in the world maybe he'll make it let's just keep him alive and just (laughs) whatever all right how's the movie how many knives i'll give it a four okay the movie itself wasn't bad. It was a relatively easy to watch, entertaining movie. Was it very violent? It had enough. Okay. It definitely it it hit the spot. Okay. They they got some of it weird and twisted and mixed up, and then leaving out obviously a couple big chunks. But yeah, all in all, I they don't think they went too far out of bounds. The fact that they didn't even tell you though what BTK stood for is no, wild. They did. Oh, that you just said you just learned tonight what it was for. Well, I'm because of this podcast. Oh, I learned. I thought you meant me telling no. you. I'm like, how did they not tell you that no, in the no, movie? No. no, because of the podcast. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, Prior yeah. to that, like I, I had heard of the BTK killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know what I'm it stood for until we did our research. Yeah. No, what I'm saying they left out was stuff like the cross dressing and yeah. him doing his own shit. And yeah, those are all like. That's yeah, big. They are. Mm-hmm. But for the way that they did the movie, I I get it. Like, he's just recounting, like, yes, I did this, this, and this, and this, and this. Like, yeah. this is what I'm being held accountable for. And, yes, this Acting is Acting what... was good? Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Four Knives. It's a great, solid review. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of all the BTK movies, go watch that one. Uh, I think so. Fantastic. And your look of the week, it's a very special look of the week this week. Yeah, you looked at me and you're like, what the fuck is your look? Yeah, because you're dressed in like Halloween clothes right now. So I think it's so funny that we've already like related him to me with the bad spelling and the fake people pleasing. You guys also have the torture of Barbie dolls in common. Right. (laughs) How how fun it was for me to fucking put this bag over this Barbie's head and buy all the little ropes. Mm-hmm. So I do. I have, I stole a Barbie from my daughter and I bound, tortured, killed this Barbie. Can't wait for her to see pictures one day mm-hmm. when she's older. And you also printed out a fake license. I did because he sent it with Nancy Fox's yeah. license or whatever. So I printed out a Kansas, just a generic sample or whatever. And she's been sitting here with us all night. Yeah, I'll post a picture. I took a pic. Um, perfect. Well, great movie review. 
So that's our look of the week. And it's also really nice because this was the first time I rode my bike over here. I know. So and I it do, only took you a couple minutes. I really want you to take a picture of me on my way out with all of my, my headlamps <laughs> <laughs> and everything. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it was so fun. Your husband was so worried about you. He was. And that's good. He that's sweet. Be. Yeah, That's very sweet. It is. It's not a busy road, but it's not like the safest road. Mm-mm. But, you know. People bike on it all the time. My kids bike on it to go to the liquor store. Right. So, and then let's do our perfume review, but we need to turn the fan off. Yeah, I'll turn the fan off and I'll do mine first because we already know what mine smells like, but we'll see. Well, that's why I think we should do mine first. We don't want to taint the room with any other smell. Okay, fine. It should just be weed and the Rihanna smell. That's the whole point, yeah? Yeah. If anything, I might smoke a little bit more weed to to mix with it. Oh <gasps> yeah, we gotta test we'll it. Do a before and after. I will tell you, I have not opened it. Shut up. I it's in the box. I haven't touched it. Well, let's see it. So I'm so okay. If you guys are new here, welcome. We've been on a journey. We've been on a perfume kick journey forever. It started off with us trying to figure out um baccarat rouge i think it's 540 yeah which is supposed to be the best smelling perfume in the world i have to agree it is one of the best smelling perfumes i've ever smelled it is 600 dollars a bottle mm-hmm. so then we were t- testing dupes i finally got the alt i think it's crystal 23 we'll review that in a minute but we've also been trying to find the rihanna smell because rihanna's supposed to be the best smelling person in the in world, the world. <laughs> and rumor has it that she wears what is this killian, killian don't be shy but the reviews on it threw us off because mm-hmm. the reviews are that it's like cotton candy, Crazy bubble sweet. gum, sweet. And we're like, there's no way she's the best smelling person in the world if she smells that sweet. And then we thought about the fact that our favorite things are like smoked marshmallow meets like fire pit. That like tobacco and vanilla, mm-hmm. the sweet mixed with the smell of weed. And we tried the Tom Ford vanilla tobacco, tobacco and it did not hit. No. So our theory is that Rihanna is the best smelling person in the world because she wears a maybe possibly a very sweet perfume, but then smokes weed all day. Mm-hmm. And when you put those two smells together, it's magic. So let's do it. So let's do it. How exciting. We'll do a before and after. We'll do Killian by itself and then Killian with a joint. Oh, my. Wait, hold on. We'll just take a picture later. So how much was this vial? Twenty five dollars. I think I finally found it for 18 because you know me. I'm like anything under $20 mm-hmm. like that's that's an easy sell for me. If we get above $20, it's it's like I love how it comes in a dime. Bag. It's like a rose color. Even do you see you it? You can't even smell it until you take the lid off. Mm-mm. They make you work for it. Mm-hmm. I just spill it everywhere. <laughs> it's one of those crazy tiny little vials with the weird little oh, dipsticks. Yeah, nub uh-huh the little dipstick oh yeah it smells you... terrible oh, no. <laughs> it smells oh, horrific oh my god i can't wait it it smells like baby's medicine that oh. bubble gum from the pediatrician thick pink medicine i can't wait to smell it it smells terrible you can I smell can. it from here i can't though oh i can okay. oh my god i can't believe how bad that smells <laughs> I can't believe that people pay okay, for this. But I am going to put it on. 
Okay, and then we're going to smoke weed. And I'm going to, exactly. Mm-hmm. I already have my knockoff Baccarat Rouge, so that will throw us off. That's what I'm saying. That's why. Mm-hmm. It smells like that cheap fucking cotton candy spray you buy for $5 when you're 10 years old and make your parents' house reek of it. And they go, and they go, get that shit out of here. Do not pay for this shit. Go to Rite Aid and buy the $5 cotton candy spray. You will smell the exact same. I guarantee fucking to you. You smell like a glittery unicorn. And for once, I don't mean that as a compliment. You smell like Jojo Siwa 10 years ago. Yes. This is exactly what I would expect Jojo Siwa to smell like. Not now. But like (laughs) before she came out of the closet. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Now it's time for the right. weed <laughs> I can't believe how bad that smells. There's no way Rihanna smells just like, like that. People talk about this shit like all the time. Like it's God tier perfume. And there just ain't no way Riri smells like that. I refuse to believe it. I don't trust anybody's perfume reviews anymore because. So do you know who Jacqueline Hill is? Yes. Okay. Old she, school. Yes. She is a ba- a baccarat bitch through and through. She seems like a baccarat bitch. And she said that she fell in love with this scent called Myth by Ellis Brooklyn. Okay. So I got a sample of that as well. It's Okay. It's expensive but cheaper. Uh-huh. And um oh my god, I can smell myself in the it smells horrific. <laughs> what are you an eight year old girl? I know. Ugh. And she was like, It's so clean and fresh and this and then I'm like, Oh, laundry. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm like, it sounds awesome. Love those smells. It's none of those things. Is it just heavy musk? It reminds me of my nana. Chanel number five. It reminds me of my nana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chanel number five is the rich grandma smell. And I hate the smell of Chanel number five. And it's not five. like a, even a rich smell. It just reminds me of like a nana. Yeah. I'm like, what? what is wrong with you people? What do you guys like to smell like? This their is sense of smell it. is dying. So they need something horrifically strong. I'm going to put this on Violet. I think this is a really nice scent for Violet. Yeah. Blow the weed right onto your right. wrist. Just sear the joint into your wrist and see if that helps. No. There's there's no helping. The only thing that's going to help is your alt, hopefully. Oh, my Lord. I can't believe that's what people are losing their minds over. Well, again, I'm so... Again, Thank had, God it was under 20 I spent $28. Is, that <laughs> extra $8? Fucking forget it. Plus, you had to pay for shipping. <coughs> oh, my God. I would have died. <laughs> I would have been furious. <laughs> that's so funny. But $18, it's worth the reaction alone. It is. It gives us something to talk about. Absolutely. And then if yeah. anybody, if we even hear an inkling on the street of someone saying they like it, we can We're absolutely blast them. Like, there's no way you like that shit. Right. Like, literally. Put this out on my wrist. Okay. Let me smell you while the weed's still in the air. It makes it better. It's better on me. It right? makes it better. The I weed. Smell my fingers. No problem. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. it makes it better. It definitely adds something to it. Yeah. So if you're, if I'm like, if you smell me at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, I will not be wearing this. No, really? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine why. Well, just funny because remember the first time we smelt cloud? 
Yeah. We were like, oh, my God, this is so sweet. And that's that mixed with the weed is perfectly. It makes your whole room smell nice. Killer error. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want a young girl budget scent. A young girl budget, like sweet and tobacco-y and delicious. That's the way. Ariana Cloud, but smoke weed. So now let's smell the alt. It's great. It smells like Baccarat. It has a little bit more of like an alcohol kind of burn to the smell. Mm. It did last all day. However, I because it's only like 30 something bucks, I sprayed a lot like the Baccarat would, will last multiple days. And I only have like a little bit bigger than this, but right. I have like the small vials of it. Yeah. And so I just like dab, dab, dab. And the Baccarat lasts a couple days. This I spray, spray, spray. And because, it lasted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very nice. It's a great alt perfume for like 35 bucks. I it think. is. I like that a lot. Yeah, it has. At first, it has a bit of an alcohol tinge to it, but that goes mm-hmm. away. I think that's just initial spray. It smells a little alcoholy. Yeah. But it it, it goes away. And yeah. then it just smells like it smells like Baccarat. And now we don't smell like a Claire's department store anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not as good as Baccarat, but it's $30 as good as uh, Baccarat. Uh, fuck yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is wrong with people? I don't know. The next alt one, though, I'm going to get. They have like a, a alt. I think they call it Fireside Marshmallow, but it's supposed to be um, the alt version of a like a really expensive one I've been wanting to try. So okay. I'm so impressed with this but one. We, I'll just go with the alt version. But we know that expensive doesn't mean anything. Apparently not. So that's what I'm saying. You need to get this tiny one before yeah. you get one of these. For sure. Um, yeah, that's again, Chanel number no. five is the worst smelling perfume I've ever smelled no, in my life. Exactly. And people love that shit. And it's so expensive. Cause I, when I figured out what I'm looking for is like, I want to smell like a really expensive hotel, not the person at the expensive hotel. Mm-hmm. I want to smell like the, the hotel, hotel lobby. Yeah. When you walk if in. If somebody could bottle a perfume that's, and it's not a really expensive hotel, but that smells like the Mandalay Bay. I would buy that perfume. Yeah. It's the best smelling hotel in the world. Like I want vanilla and I want coconut. And like clean sheets. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Why just why can't someone just do that? Well, there is a line of perfumes. Maybe this will be our next perfume venture. I'll get some where it smells. It's a very niche smell. So like my client told me about it because they have a perfume called Funeral Home. Okay. And it's like mahogany and like dried flowers or like flower no it's flowers in general but like white flowers like lilies gardenias whatever Mm -hmm. with mahogany and then just a little bit of that kind of perfumey potpourri-ish funeral home smell and I'm like I would be into that and she's like and I think they even list like oriental rug like heavy old rugs Uh, I'm like I bet you it's a vibe but I would love to smell it and see if it smells like a funeral home. But so, they, I think they have a whole bunch like that where it's very specific and niche scents. With the Ellis Brooklyn scent myth that I tried, that I'll, I'll wear. It's nothing special. It's whatever. Like I said, it smells like Nana. It came with a couple other scents. The Literally a patchouli that I threw away. Who the fuck even does that anymore? Disgusting. But there's one that I won't wear 
I I might use it just to spray around, but you might like it. Oh. It kind of smells like tequila. <laughs> but not like you in a bad way. Yeah. Like you'd have to smell it but that's what it reminds me of it reminds me of tequila it kind of like reminds me of mexico but again not in a bad way yeah like in a warm sensual kind of bring it on we'll try it i know so stay tuned there used to be a hair product i used at my old salon and i loved it and i wish i could get it in the new salon it's called white sands it's my Mm. favorite hair product their liquid texturizer especially in medium the game changer. It's the best. I could go on a whole podcast rant about it. But one of the things is, is that it doesn't use um, like regular, like fake alcohol, like rubbing mm-hmm. alcohol in it. It uses like natural or, you know, like I don't know what it is. The point is, it smells like a fucking margarita. Yeah. Oh, see? It okay. for sure mm-hmm. smells like a margarita. Yeah, yeah. And it's called White Sands. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a tropical vibe. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. And no one knows about it, but if you guys can get your hands on some white See, sand, if we could just liquid get these texturizer, smells, right? Not fucking Claire's department store. Candy. That was wild. I can't, but be- I want to go on and leave a bad review. Mm-hmm. Like, are you fucking serious? Right. You're high. Rihanna, if you smell like that, you smell like shit. I don't know what to tell you. You know what else was fantastic? This episode. What a great sode. We're clocking in at almost two hours exactly without editing. That's a good one. That's a great one. All right. Well, hey, if you guys have any perfume recommendations, let us know. Please. We love a perfume rec. Again, we're like a smoky tobacco toasty. Little sweet. Or like clean, fresh linen. Yeah. That's what we like. Mm-hmm. That's the vibe. That's the vibe. Let us know. We want to, we want to smell really good. Mm-hmm. We want to smell expensive, but not like over the top. Exactly. Yeah. Again, not the people... In the expensive place, but the expensive place itself. Yeah. What a great way to put it. <laughs> I love it. All right. To see pictures of this week's episode of our, not Bee's look of the week, but Barbie's look of the uh-huh. week, check out THC podcast on Instagram. And, uh, you know, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. Bye.